The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. Hello again, Northumberland County. This is Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's real estate talk show. I like that intro so much, I occasionally do it twice. I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And Reality Realty is your local real estate forum where we take on we talk about and interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on northumberland county and the communities within it i'd like to give a shout out to our local royal lepage pro alliance realty brokerage for sponsoring reality real team Give them a call or drop in to an office and thank them for helping to make this show possible. They're located in the Northumberland Mall in Coburg and at 41 Walton Street in Port Hope. That's a new a new location for Royal LePage in Port Hope. Joining us in just a few minutes will be Catherine Gissing. Uh, Catherine's been on our show before. Catherine is the owner and operator and founder of Sage Relocation Services here in Northumberland County. And Catherine will and I will be taking a look at downsizing, and that is just one of the services available at Sage Relocation Services. And we'll get a better idea of the downsizing process and how it integrates with the real estate services that you're used to. We'll also look at snapshot of our local real estate market in Northumberland County, and we'll review your thoughts, which is the survey from last week. Snapshot. Let's start first thing first with snapshot. And if you're a buyer or a realtor working with buyers in today's market, you might feel like you're a bit beat up right now. And here is likely why. Over the past month, we've had 166 residential homes sold in Northumberland County. And that leaves us with an inventory of 337 residential listings for sale. The average listing price of residential real estate that successfully sold over the past 12 months has been approximately $316,000. And the average selling price of those successful sales over the past 12 months has been approximately $307,000. People have been receiving... 97% of their asking price in a market time of 64 days. Now, here's the part where I mentioned if if you've been a buyer or a realtor working with buyers in today's market, you might feel a bit built up and beat up. And that's because we're in a seller's market. We're deep into a seller's market with an absorption rate of 49%. Keep in mind that a balanced market traditionally is considered anywhere between a 15 and 20% absorption rate. So we are we are beyond 20. We are out of the 20s. We are out of the 30s. We are just about out of the 40s at 49%. I research these Northumberland County statistics and I calculate the absorption rate using information from List Central. And that is the realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this information to be specific within our county, specific to the property type you're dealing with, and the price band it's in. So talk to your local realtor and understand the Northumberland market information that's most relevant to you. Today's mortgage rates. Yesterday, the Bank of Canada announced that it is maintaining its target overnight rate of a half a percent, and consequentially, nothing has happened to the mortgage rates this week. A five-year fixed is still as low as 2.49%, and a five-year variable is as low as 2.2%. Today's mortgage rates come to us from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with the Broker Financial Group, and that is a current snapshot of the residential real estate market here in Northumberland County. 
Now, if we take a look at your thoughts, your thoughts is a review of your answers and comments from last week's survey. And you can find that survey by searching for me, Dale Bryant, on Facebook or Dale Bryant on Twitter. Maybe you want to put in Dale Bryant Real Estate for a search or Dale, uh, Dale Bryant Real Estate Broker. And you can find a link to our survey and you can participate every week. Well, last week, our survey question was, what would be the first? If you were shopping for a home now, maybe you are shopping for a home, or maybe you can imagine if you were shopping for a home, what would be the first method you would use to shop for that home? Now, you may use all the methods eventually, but we were just asking what would be the first. Well, the, the biggest response was people would use Realtor.ca. That is the MLS system, online system. And 50% of the survey respondents said they would go directly to Realtor.ca. 37.5% of the people, the next largest group, said they'd do an online web search looking at any and all sites. Now, that's interesting. You're not going to get as many listings uh, and, and know the available inventory the way you will on real, going directly to Realtor.ca, and that's likely why it's a smaller percentage. But that's also a good way to shop for your next realtor, provided you're looking for a realtor. Uh, good idea to see how that realtor is presenting themselves online, since online marketing is the strongest marketing for homes. You'll get a bit of an idea what that realtor is about, uh, their qualifications, their experience, and get a feel to see if they're a good fit. So that's a great answer for not only looking at the homes, but looking for realtors. The third strongest answer was people would contact a real estate broker or sales representative first thing to do, and that was 12.5%. Now, the rest, uh, we had an option. Would you drive around the neighborhoods uh, you'd like to live in to find if there's any homes for sale? Nobody chose that, and nobody chose to look in the real estate section of the local newspaper. So those were your thoughts. Our new survey this week, and once again, I'll encourage you to look, find me on, uh, on the Internet. Google Dale Bryant Real Estate and find me on Facebook or find me on Twitter. I uploaded the link for this week's survey this morning. And the new survey is talking about if you have any concerns about buying a home that's being privately sold. I've been working with a few people over the past couple weeks and we've run into some private sales. And in in one case in particular... Uh, it was a very strong option for these buyers. It, it seemed like it could be a very good fit. Now, I sensed with these people, and, and I've sensed with other buyers in the past, when we do run across a private sale, and possibly the people selling private uh, don't want to have a realtor involved, people, buyers, can have concerns about uh, dealing in a private sale. So my question to you this week is, there's going to be four sliding questions where you can say if you're not at all concerned or very concerned. And the first question will be, are you concerned about overspending? Because how do you really know the market value for the home that you're looking at? Second, and so you'll be able to say not concerned at all or very concerned or somewhere in the middle. The second question would be about buying a home from a do-it-yourselfer. So we already know that they're listing and selling their own home, so they've chosen to do that themselves. And somebody might ask themselves, well, what other work have they done in the house without calling in a professional in that industry? So would that be a concern for you? Number three, protecting yourself with contract language during the negotiation process and the purchasing process. Would that have any concerns for you as a buyer of a home being sold sold privately? And then the fourth one is just 
your total level of concern. Uh, are you not at all concerned or very concerned or somewhere in the middle? So find that survey online. The links are through my Facebook and my Twitter pages. Find out uh, where I am and let's hear your thoughts and what you have to say about this. This is just a reminder that the views and opinions expressed by me, co-hosts, guests of the show, or any of the art articles presented do not represent the views and opinions of the station of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, of any other real estate broker, or of any other realtor. They're simply our views and opinions at this time. Well, I'd like to welcome this morning our guest. Uh, welcome to Catherine Gissing. Catherine is the founder and owner-operator of Sage Relocation Services. Catherine's here today, and we're going to talk about the process of downsizing, how it can complement the services that your realtor already provides, and how it can help you when you're thinking about listing your home. Well, welcome, Catherine, to the show. Thank you, Dale. It's nice to be back. Yeah, w welcome back. And, and uh, whenever we get a guest that has a good response, which... You had one of the best responses on social media after being on our show. And we always love to have those people back. Well, that's amazing because I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, we absolutely did. The, the, most, the most likes, the most comments after you were on the show uh, came on your show. So, Catherine, we're going to talk about downsizing downsizing is so worth talking about because it's such a difficult process it's very convoluted and typically typically when you're you're doing that downsizing move you're it's it's not it's hard to be up for it uh can you can you explain to us Catherine who downsizes well, we can start with the obvious ones. I think mm -hmm. that when, when uh, people generally think of downsizing, they think of people perhaps in a later stage of life, maybe seniors, maybe empty nesters, and, and they definitely make up a large portion of people that downsize. But there's also um, a number of, of other people that consider it at different stages of life. And so what I would say, Dale, is that it's actually people in general who have an interest in simplifying their home and simplifying their life. Because mm -hmm. the process of downsizing is sometimes used as part of a step to going to a new residence, but sometimes it's actually allowing you to stay where you are in your existing residence and just clear out some of the clutter that's creating confusion or perhaps lack of safety in a house. Right, so it, it doesn't necessarily involve a move. Not necessarily. I would say... In the vast majority of cases, it does. Mm -hmm. um, but I would encourage people to think about it just in terms of making their own residence right now, maybe um, more clutter-free, um, more comfortable, um, just more spacious. Mentally and physically, it can be a relief to you. So that would lead me, Catherine, into into my next question. So that's who downsizes. So you're, you're already touching on it, but why downsize? What are all the different reasons a person would want to downsize? Mm, well, the first one, as you mentioned, is moving. So if, if someone is contemplating the idea of moving, then the first thing they have to think about, other than what, where do you find a reliable realtor, mm -hmm. uh, the second thing they start to think about is, well, how am I going to get out from underneath what's in this house right now? Because as you start to take a walk around the house and you realize the scope of what's inside, you realize there's usually more stuff than you had planned for. And you have to start thinking about how are you going to actually move that out in order to allow the house to be sold effectively, because mm -hmm. that's stage one. And then number two, how do you clear out the rest of it when you actually move? Because stage one is really about how do you open up the space so you can take really good listing photographs. And that happens, as we'll talk about later in this conversation, when um, early in the stage when you're working with your realtor. And then after the house is sold, it's then about how do you actually get the rest of the stuff into the next location. The next location is often, not always, but often a smaller space. And so it requires a, some thought and, and some process to figure out what does it make sense to take and what are you going to do with all the rest of it. And, and like you say, most of the time that downsize does include a smaller space. And, and I mean, part of the reasons is a maintenance 
maintenance inside and outside the place you're living in may be just too much right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not even using all the rooms you have in your home. And not only physically too much, but every time you do maintenance, there's some cost involved, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so a lot of our clients take a look at the cost of maintaining the house they have right now. And so their decision to downsize is sometimes driven by looking at the overall cost in terms of energy, like their personal energy Mm -hmm. and finances in terms of maintaining it. And so we often deal with clients at a later stage of life who are designed to downsize, but we also often work with people in the prime of their life, maybe working professionals who their time is consumed with other things. They like time is finite, and then when people actually examine and how they use it, they decide they want to spend more time on their career, more time with their children. If if a house is consuming a disproportionate amount of time and money because mm-hmm. of maintenance costs, they may simply decide to simplify their life, which means downsizing at an earlier stage of life. And downsizing, I mean, maintenance costs that could be. The obvious maintenance you think about maintaining lawns and gardens and and the exterior and interior home, but that could also include your utilities Mm -hmm. and your taxes, Uh, mortgage financing. Typically, you downsize and the home is a smaller value, so mortgage financing can be tightened up as well. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So what kind of reactions, Catherine, do you do you find to be common when people work through this whole downsizing process? Mm, well, that's a good question. I'm going to start with the reaction that starts the whole process, which is usually um, a sense of denial. When people are thinking about downsizing, it's very easy just to shut down the whole process and think, there's just too much here. I can't envision how I'm going to get out from un- underneath all this. So I'm just not going to move forward. And, and that's a common problem. And you and I have talked about this. And I, I know that other realtors have this mm-hmm. challenge with their clients as well. Um, so I'd say, first of all, is denial. And then once they embrace the fact that, yeah, maybe it's possible or, yes, it's necessary in order to get to the next stage, then there is a sense of anxiety that sets in because then they actually have committed to doing it. And they look around, they think, my God, how are we going to make this happen? So I'd say that's sort of the next stage. And then the next, the stage after that is resignation. And resignation means either they decide they are going to do it themselves and they're just resigned to working through it, or they work with a company like Sage or other downsizing companies to actually manage the process for them. And and funny enough, you talk about the d- denial. And I remember uh, last time you were on the show and you, you had this I thought was a brilliant solution for collections and how mm. you would downsize a collection and and I think I think the example you used was with Hummels uh, mm-hmm. and it was a past client and it was funny because I believe it was a family member that I was talking to later on who I believe they're into collecting and and I can't even remember who it was exactly who said this but they they have a an appreciation for collecting. And they said, you know, that was a great show, Dale, but as soon as you talked about uh, that that way to downsize a collection, which, which was getting rid of a lot of the mm-hmm. collection, then you lost me. You know, that was that was just too much. And and that is a person who is just not ready for a downsize a, a downsizing process at, at that point. And, and like you said, the, the denial, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what does downsizing really look like? Because what are you actually trying to achieve through downsizing? And sometimes there's a, there's a fight that can go on in our minds, right? Mm-hmm. About what, what that really entails. And, and the funny thing is I work with people who say they want to downsize and we start looking for the downsize but what we're looking for is exactly what they have in their past house only this time it's a condo Mm -hmm. (laughs) or this time it's an apartment Mm -hmm. so so i i absolutely see that that wrestling uh getting that vision and and accepting uh that whole thing so Downsizing, Catherine, we're going to talk about the components of downsizing. Mm-hmm. 
we're just into a break time right now. So, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and we're going to continue to talk real estate and talk downsizing with Catherine Gissing. Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And my guest today is Catherine Gissing from Sage Relocation Services. Before the break, we started talking about downsizing. We started to talk about who actually downsizes and why would you downsize and the kind of reactions that people go through and the, go through when they do the process of downsizing. So, Catherine, why don't you tell us a little bit about what is downsizing and basically, I guess, the components sure. of okay. downsizing? Um, I would say very simply, downsizing is a process of understanding what you own and then strategically reducing it so that you get to a smaller collection of things. And there are a number of steps that we typically follow when we work through a downsizing project, and it always starts with being able to visualize what you actually own. So our first step is always creating an inventory of the items in a house. And it's an important thing to do. It's always a bit of a surprise to a client because what we do is we actually walk through the house with a camera and uh, something records some information on. We take photographs of every major item. We measure it. We write down characteristics about it. And we upload it into a spreadsheet so and bind it into a binder. So at the end of that step, the client actually has a whole pamphlet they can flip through and actually see that they have five lazy boys. And one of them has a footrest that's not working. Unless you actually see everything in total, you lose sight of it because they're in different parts of the house or you may not have used it for a period of time. So step number one is create an inventory. And it's kind of a, a laborious process, but it's a necessary process. Yeah, I would think so because you, you pointed out that it has a footrest that doesn't work. So you must sit in oh, the yes. furniture and try it to we see do. its functionality. Yeah, we, we sit in things, we press buttons, we make notes of things that are not working because it's important for us as a business because we're handling things that may have an existing piece of damage. We need to record that record that so the client knows and to protect ourselves because often we end up moving those things mm. and if it gets to a new location and it's not working, we need to be able to backtrack and, f- and figure out you know, where did that damage occur originally. So that's that's step one is figuring out what the inventory is. And step two is then once we have the inventory, we like to be able to go in and actually create a floor plan and a furniture plan for the new location they're moving to. Now, they don't always, clients don't always know where they're going to, as as you know. But Mm -hmm. in some cases, they have bought a house or they do have a floor plan for the condo they're moving to. So we find it important to go in and actually measure it. Mm-hmm. Often we have a floor plan we're dealing with, and, and you'll know this to be true, Dale. Often you have a floor plan. It's somewhat related to the real measurements, but not exactly related to the real measurements. Yes, not every floor plan is created equal. And, and, and sometimes there's components within the home that just can't, just can't be accurately displayed in a, a standard floor plan. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we go in with our with our measurements, we go in with our computer pad, and we actually we measure the floor plan, we recreate as a new computer floor plan. And then we take a look at that floor plan alongside the inventory that we've just created. So with the inventory, the furniture inventory and all the accessories in the house, we then start putting together a furniture plan for the client. And the furniture plan means that we're now working with them to selectively figure out, okay, how many of those five lazy boys do you really love? Mm -hmm. Which ones do you really want to keep? Is the china cabinet really important? Is it going to fit in this location? So we work with the client interactively to figure out what fits, what do they really love and can't bear to part with? Where's it going to go? And once we have an agreed furniture plan, everything else becomes simple. Because now we know what's going to fit, so we know what's moving. The more important question is we now know the other 70% of the things that are not moving, we need to create a plan for. Okay. Now, 70%. You didn't, you didn't pull – I mean, every situation will be different, but you didn't pull that out of a hat, I'm guessing. You used 70 because 
that may reflect a typical downsizing move? It does. It does. And I'm basing that upon thinking of a standard downsizing, a standard couple that have lived in a three-bedroom family house. They might have been there for 30 years. They've raised a family there, so it's full of their things. It's full of the adult children's things. Mm -hmm. And often they're going to a smaller facility. So they're going to maybe a condominium that's got, you know, a bedroom and a sunroom. Or maybe they're going to a retirement home that has a bedroom and a balcony. So typically when you're going from a three-bedroom house with a fully finished basement and lots of stuff into a one-bedroom or one-bedroom plus, you're going to find that somewhere in the range of 60 70% of your items are not coming with you. And that's a lot, and it's shocking, mm-hmm. but it's better to know that because then you can make a plan for it. Well, I just think about uh, Carol Ann, my wife and I, and in the home we're in, I think of the square footage of that home, and where, where do we actually spend time? It's in the same small square footage of, of several rooms there's rooms I, I rarely or never go in. There's parts of rooms I never walk across. Mm-hmm. And and so, the, except for to clean, but that just shows you how much of the house. So if that much of the house you're not using, then the things in that part of the house, you're not using those either. Well, you're not using it. But the thing you also have to ask yourself, Dale, is whether or not the things you're not using are important to you. Because the fact that you're not using them doesn't mean that they don't have real deep emotional importance to you. You might look at them. You might look at them, but you might feel drawn to them. Maybe it belonged mm-hmm. to your grandmother. Maybe it belonged to – it was an important item for your children when they're growing up. And so part of part of our mandate when Sage is working with a client who's downsizing is to help them make practical decisions but respect the emotional value of things as well. And so there may be things they're not using. They're in the mm-hmm. part of the house they never go into. But uh, some of those things that are tucked away are, are critically important to the history of the family and, and they've got a deep emotional connection to them. And if they need to have them, we do our best to find a space for them. Yeah, and and that's what that, those are the things that make the house the home, aren't they? Yes, yeah. indeed. And so, once we've got the furniture plan and we know what's coming, the more important thing is we now know that sixty percent of the items are not going, and we know what those items are. And so now we start putting together the most laborious part of downsizing, the part that scares most people, is what do you do with that other other 60% of the stuff? And Mm -hmm. so we start putting together a plan that has five different components to it. And the first one would be, are some of these things, things that would be valuable as an auction? So auction is one of the things that could be a possibility for those things. Secondly, there'll be items in that collection that might be interesting to family and friends. So we always start the process by encouraging clients to reach out to family and friends and say, we're starting the downsizing process. Now would be a good time to come forward, identify the things that you want, give them a firm deadline and really mean it Mm -hmm. and and say on May 20th at 5 o'clock, I want these things picked up and I'll respect the fact that if you're not there, that we have the right to make a decision about what's happening with them. Yeah, that's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah, because otherwise what happens is that deadline slides, uh, mm-hmm. especially with adult children who have, um, for a variety of reasons, used your home as a parking lot for things that they don't have space for. But that's no longer your problem as a client. Yeah, I mean, nice to help out when you could, but now it's a new chapter, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the next possibility for these things is certainly donation. And there's lots in Northumberland County, there's lots of really great organizations that welcome your donations. Mm -hmm. Part of the challenge here is figuring out which donation site is the best solution for the different things that you have, because not all nonprofits are equal, not all of them accept all items, not all of them... mm, a range for pickup. If you've got big items and you've got to figure out a pickup, uh, some of them are only open on certain days. So you have to figure out, first of all, what items you're willing to donate and what donation centers make the most, most sense for them. And then figure out a transportation plan to get those things back and forth. Some of those things are big. And when we're working with clients, generally we do a number of different runs to different nonprofits and, and we have to figure out the shipping and the time and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So that's an option. Uh, another option is disposal. 
And, and, yeah. and this is a, a nasty but necessary word, and uh, we love it. In our industry, we love it because it makes a lot of sense. And once disposal is, is done, it's a relief for everybody and everything. Everything looks a lot more spacious, and it was the right thing for those items. But you have to designate which items make sense, and those things might be things that are just not good enough for a donation. Donations are not a place to, to, to drop junk. Mm-hmm. Donation centers are a place to to offer things that still have viable life that somebody can bring back to life. That's what a donation item is. But junk is junk and and should not be confused with things that donation centers would welcome. And some of those donation centers will let you know as you bring your stuff up to them and they'll say, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and rightly so. Like a, a classic example might be collections of encyclopedias. Yeah. You know, wonderful things to have. They look great on a shelf, those leather backs, beautiful. And they were in, in their time, they were really a valuable thing. But they have very little, I'm going to say no value right now other than aesthetic or a historical a- mm-hmm. attachment. Yeah. And so don't go to the trouble of loading them. They're heavy. Don't go to the trouble of loading them and taking them in the car and taking them to a nonprofit simply to be told that you have to take some, them someplace else. Exactly. Well, Catherine, let's talk about how downsizing supports the real estate transaction now. Uh, let's let's first take a look at before the sale. What what would you tell us about that? I would say that um, downsizing actually does begin before the sale because if you think in terms of the things that need to be done in order to make the house viable and really presentable before the sale you should be thinking about downsizing. You as an agent, Dale, you know that one of the most important marketing tools for real estate is really great photographs. Mm-hmm. If you think of the survey the survey that we talked about when we opened the show, survey clearly says 50% of the people go to realtor.ca. Everybody's looking at images. They're looking Absolutely. at images. And, and a picture tells a thousand words, and it's a strong attraction tool. So if a potential buyer sees a space that they can relate to and they can see the space as opposed to seeing the collections and the uh, clutter in a space, then they're more willing to or more able to imagine themselves in that home because they can actually Mm -hmm. see the home and they can mentally transport themselves into that place and imagine making it their own. But if it's too cluttered, then it's not doing the house any justice and you're losing potential buyers. You're, you're You're losing prospects because they're less willing to actually even go out and see the house. And when you're losing potential buyers, you're losing money. Yes. Because you never know what that buyer you just lost would have been willing to pay. You don't know if you just lost out on a multiple offer situation, in which case all participants are more motivated to offer up the best offer they can. So, yeah, it equals money. Yeah, sure. absolutely right. So we often get involved in the project right from the mm-hmm. inception, right before anyone's even thinking about downsizing to the new location. They're, they start by thinking about how do we downsize in preparation for the listing photographs. So Sage will come in and we'll walk through the space and we will self- selectively pull things out of the space, which means we will usually take the collectibles away, we'll usually take the personal photographs away, we'll rearrange things so that the space looks open and so that the potential buyer can actually see the home and not the personality of the existing owner. Because if they're seeing the the personality of the existing owner, they're not imagining themselves in the space, they're imagining it belongs to somebody else who may not reflect how they would live in that house. And I, I think Catherine also not just the the physical process or logistics of of this downsizing but there's also a large emotional side and i'm thinking about a situation well it could be about your own stuff it could be you're a collector which we've already mentioned it could be maybe a spouse has passed on and they had their own room with their own stuff and you haven't touched it it mm-hmm. is still be remaining there out of respect for for your uh, passed on spouse and uh, maybe maybe you had an old hobby that you used you used to be able to do and it used to really define who you were and so you have all that paraphernalia that's that goes with that hobby you no longer either do it at all 
or you can't do it to the capacity you used to, but you're you're keeping your stuff. So I, I think about that emotional side mm-hmm. of this whole process. And how do you handle that? Well, we have a couple of ways. And uh, we touched on it earlier in our conversation. And that's to record that history or record that stage of life or record that collection. And I'll, I'll give you a tangible example of that. When you have a space that you've you've used as a hobby area and you've had hours of, of enjoyment there, you've really come into your own, then before we take that apart, before we as downsizers mm-hmm. take that apart, we'd like to honor the fact that that room was really important to you. So we're going to bring in someone to take a really good quality photograph of that space. Mm-hmm. So the space might be disassembled, but you'll have be able to look at that photograph and say, yeah, I remember that I sat there and I made this item there and, and this is where I really felt like I was – you know, my best true self. And so we can bring in a really great photographer to light that room Mm -hmm. and and to stage it so it looks its best. And so you always have that memory, even though it's been disassembled. And we also work with um, some very terrific local photographers who can do something similar for collectibles. So for example, before we organize a space so that we can take good listing photographs, we like to clear the collectibles away. And people have collectibles of every description, as, mm-hmm. as you well know. Yes. And we've seen everything you can possibly imagine. We've seen car parts that are displayed, you know, with pride in a dining room. We've seen yeah. <laughs> paperweights. We've seen crystal. We've seen the Hummels, Royal Doltons, like you name it. They're the f- all out there. The frog collection. The frog collection. The elephant collection. Oh, yes. elephant collections. Yeah. I've got a few of those we're de- dealing with right now. And people have, they take great pride and joy in these. And they remember the every item they, they purchased and where it came from and what they were doing and who they were with. There is a deep emotional attachment to these things. And so we want to honor that. So the way we do that and recognize the fact that we have to reduce this collection is we bring in the very best local photographers we can find to record those collections. And, and so there is a, general, there is a, uh, a lady locally called Peg McCarthy who has O-Shoot. Mm-hmm. And she provides such a service where she will come in and take the collection away to her studio. So she doesn't you know, play with trying to recreate light in the house. She actually takes it to her studio where she can get proper control and proper lighting. She'll backlight them. She'll put them on the right contrasting background and she'll, she'll photograph the collection so that you can then end up with a composite mural that you can put on a wall where you can show the whole collection in a very small amount of space. Or you might put it together in a beautiful memory book so you can flip through and show people the images of the things you collect. And then what we do is we, we, you know, we bring this gift back to the client who now has reduced their collection. The collection's now packaged away, but they've got the mural or they've got the photographs. And we encourage them to pick the two or three items that they really cannot bear to be without. Mm-hmm. And those three collections or three, three items go with them to their new location. Yeah, and that's, that's what I th- think is absolutely brilliant. You're capturing everything but you're reducing it to a practical space. And, and I, I love that because when I bring people through a home, if they can't see the true size, and so we're talking about how this works uh, and integrates with a realtor services, if the people, the buyer can't see the true space that you could live in because it's so filled with things uh, or they can't even imagine it being their own. Mm-hmm. I mean – Forget about just the depersonalizing. Is sometimes it's so crowded they just can't even picture how how this could be their place. And and quite often, I think the situations that we're talking about is beyond what the services of a interior designer stager would be. This is this is far deeper than that. This is the, a lot of this is is the type of thing that goes on before you can even consider staging, isn't it? Well, it is because a good stager is working with a room as their palette. So they're starting with um in they're starting with a vision of an empty floor plate and they're trying to figure out okay, what do we put in that space in order to show a conversation area or highlight the windows or they're, they're working with a, vi- with a vision of a, f- of a finished product in mind. Mm-hmm. We're actually starting way before there, before that stage and clearing out the space so the stager can come in and transform it into something else. And have the palette. 
And have the palate. <laughs> and have the palate. Yes. Well, Catherine, we're already at a break time. Uh, time is going really quick today, as it usually does. Folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and we are going to continue to talk about real estate and downsizing. Welcome back. This is your Real Estate Forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And my guest today is Catherine Gissing, founder, owner, and operator of Sage Relocation Services here in Northumberland County. Catherine, before the break, we were talking about the benefits of relocation services in support of the real estate transaction before the sale. Now, let's take a look at after the sale. But before I want to get to that, I was just interested in what is a typical timeline to do uh, the, the before the sale downsizing process? Oh, that's a good question. I would say that um, it... Like all projects, they vary in in complexity and volume of goods. And so when I get this question from clients, I always remind them that we need to understand what we're dealing with. We as a company, Sage needs to understand what they're dealing with. So we always come in. We have a free consultation with a client to walk through and get an idea what the scope of the project might be. But a simple guideline, and don't take this to the bank, but Mm -hmm. a a simple guideline is that if you're preparing to downsize prior to the sale so that you can get those great photographs, allow yourself a minimum of two to three weeks. Two to three weeks. And and should people expect to see you most days during that two to three weeks? Oh, most days. I'm sorry. I was assuming they were doing it themselves. Okay. So if they were doing it themselves, then I would allow two to three weeks. If we were doing it, if Sage was doing it, then typically the process would take, I'm going to say two days. In two days. So you can take two to three weeks down to two days. Well, the difference being is that we have dedicated time. Someone that's doing it themselves, they're managing it around the rest of their schedule. So they've got a career, they've got children, they've got a life. And so they can only carve out a portion of time. Mm -hmm. When Sage does it, we come in and we assign a crew that's appropriate to the size of the project. So it might be one person, it might be two, it might be three. So we've got a dedicated staff on site and they're there to work. So they're there for the seven hour a day and they're very objective about what they're doing. And so the emotional restriction is taken out of downsizing. The biggest challenge, and we touched on it earlier, is the emotional attachment that people have to things. Mm -hmm. And so when you're doing it yourself, it tends to get delayed because you'll pick up an item and decide, okay, can I really, what do I really want to do with this? You know, and it, it opens conversations with other family members and those are great conversations. But if time is of the essence that those conversations get in the, get in the way of actually completing the downsizing. All right. So we, let's, let's assume we have the sale done and now let's take a look at this process after the sale. Can you tell us a little bit about what are the most interesting components of that? Sure. One of the major things that clients ask us about and one of the major components of after the sale is how do you manage to sell products? So we talked a bit about the fact that a number of items will go to donation and Mm -hmm. we manage that process. And then a number of items will go to family and friends and there's a process for figuring out who gets what and how they're going to pick it up. Number of items go to disposal, and we work with a number of really terrific disposal crews. Um, a shout out to one of them, a company called The Dump Man, which does just a superlative job, and they're terrific to deal with. Mm-hmm. So kudos to them. But before all that, the the biggest question that we get from clients is, how are we going to sell this stuff? What's it worth? And What's the best selling solution? Because there's a number of different kinds of selling solutions, and it can be uh, it can provoke a little bit of anxiety trying to figure out how you're going to manage that. So we we do manage that on behalf of our clients, and we usually map out the different options for them. So at a very high level, the options they might consider is some clients are interested in doing a tag sale or an estate sale at their house where they will take things out to the driveway, tag things with a a, a sticker and and manage basically a garage sale, which Mm -hmm. we can do for them or they can do for themselves. Um, So very low tech, um, easy to do, uh, low financial return, high labor investment. Takes a lot of time. You'll know this, I'm sure, from dealing with past clients. It takes a lot of time. Um, it's usually a little disappointing in terms of the amount of money you get from it. And a lot mm-hmm. of things end up at the end of the curb at the end of the day because they still need to go somewhere. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah, that's the story I hear. Yeah, so that's option number one. Option number two, then, is a professional auction. So there's a lot of options here. You can either have an auctioneer come into your house if there's a number, if there's enough items in the house. And sometimes this happens with estate sales where the house is empty. If there's enough items in the house to warrant an in-house auction, you can have a professional auctioneer come in who will secure the house, manage the financial transaction, manage the traffic flow. So that's number one. Number two is, um, you know, the great popularity of, of platforms like Kijiji and eBay. Uh, clients may decide that they want to cherry pick particular items and take photos and upload them to Kijiji and manage the sale themselves. You can certainly do that. We always advise clients that they need to be realistic about their expectations about how to manage that because managing that process means, first of all, Taking a good quality photograph, again, because mm-hmm. the photo is the only vehicle that you have to tell people how great this item is. So know how to take a good photograph, know how to write a good description, and then be able to manage the incoming calls, the communication between the potential buyers. And and we have found, and, and you may have had this experience as well, that it takes a great deal of time and patience to work through this process. There are people that call There are people that never turn up. There are people that turn up at your house and you wish you'd never let them in the front door. You need to be able to – you need to Mm. expect that process and have the time and the patience to manage it. There's a safety aspect there. Absolutely. Yeah. And and people – I mean people might think they can save a few pennies, you know, by doing it themselves. But uh, I can see how people would regret getting into it after, at some point. Yeah, you know, it has worked really well for some of my clients. Um, some of my clients wish they'd never gone that route. So I, we always try to provide the options. That's simply an option. One of the other options is then a traditional auction facility. And in this case, we work with a number of really good local auction facilities that have been in business for a number of years. And what they will do is they will come in and they'll walk through the house and they will selectively say, I think I have a market for that and that and that and that. They're, they are, I was going to say, brutally honest with sellers about things that they will be able to sell. Brutally is maybe the wrong word. They are transparent. So they might look at a teak dining room set and they'll say, I believe we can sell it, but you should ex- you should adjust your expectations. Maybe it's worth in the range of $100, $150. They will never commit to an exact figure. And they will simply give an opinion based upon their experience of the market at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, uh, you know, every uh, different items have their have their years. Uh, items may be very popular over the past five, ten years, and then they just tend to lose popularity, and something else becomes more popular. That's right. So that's right. Yeah, I, I can I can totally see that, and and I'm just thinking too, Catherine. You know, people, the people that may be looking to you for for this organization to find out who's the best uh, companies to bring in for the auctioneer or the different methods? Because I'm sure after that uh, auction company comes in and says, we can sell this, this, and this, mm-hmm. now you're left with the rest, aren't you? Yes, we are. And and just think about, well, and, and some people know because they have done it. They've went through the process themselves. Lots of people would know. Uh, it, if you're looking at someone downsizing, or it's an estate sale, and, and maybe we'll get into that more. Mm-hmm. You think about if if it's the the kids that are helping, because the people themselves are at an age where just physically they don't have the strength and the endurance, mm-hmm. and the stress levels are just too high. But you think about their kids. If you're talking about people in their golden years that are retired, you know, generally 65 years and older, and how old are their kids? I mean... If you're talking about people that are ready to move on into a much smaller home, maybe their kids are 50 years plus, mm-hmm. they're likely still working, and they're they're also getting tired at the end of a hard day's work and not ready to get involved with discovering all these best companies and, yes. and doing the work themselves. So I, I just totally see how if people thought it through – you're in quite a popular business. Well, thank you for that. (laughs) We like to think we add real value. And I will say the difference with working in my particular industry, Dale, is that when we complete a project, we have actually 
helped somebody move into the next stage of their life. And they are always very grateful and very verbal about that. And it's uh, such a wonderful way to end a project. But I want to go back to just one other item. Mm-hmm. We were talking about op- um, options for auctions. The uh, the auction process that we're working with most frequent, frequently right now is an online auction platform. And there are a number of really good ones out there. The mm-hmm. one that we prefer to work with is a company based in Kingston called Max Sold. They provide online auction services across North America. And unlike Kijiji, they don't concentrate on individual items. They actually allow you to upload your whole collection. Remember, we talked about creating an inventory of everything that you own? Right. They actually upload that whole collection, and they promote it as an event. So your auction becomes an event that they promote for a period of time. And you can watch the online auction going uh, for the period of time that it's live. And it's actually an interesting thing to do. And from our experience as people that coordinate this on behalf of our clients, it tends to be more successful and have a higher degree of remuneration for the client. Well, that's great. And and these solutions, I mean, th- this these these key places, key businesses to go to, you just don't find these out instantly. This is, I'm sure, this is a matter of trying different businesses and finding out who works best for the client. Uh, Catherine, we're at the end of our show. No kidding. I, I mean, we had so much more we could talk about, but uh, we're going to have to have you on again. And it's all always a pleasure, Catherine. What's the best way that people could get in touch with you if they're interested in more information about downsizing for themselves or for family members? Well, I would encourage them to check our website or to contact me directly. So the website is sage-relocation.com. My direct email is cgissing, which is C-G-I-S-S-I-N-G dot com. So that's gissing like kissing. It's, it's the S's and the F's get mixed up. Or the easiest way and the way a lot of my clients contact me is just pick up the phone, which is 905-717-3624. Perfect. And memorable. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Catherine, for that. Uh, Folks, next week, join us. We'll have Chris Walsh, Realtor with Century 21, All Pro Realty, as a guest. Week after that, we have Matt Rosema, owner of Aquafix Basement Solutions. If you have any questions or comments about today's show or pertaining to any real estate, feel free to contact me, Dale Bryant, by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca or call into the radio station at 905-372-2391 and leave a message for me. Also, remember, look me up on social media and get involved in our weekly survey. And don't forget to join me next week. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage, and we're on every Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon on Northumberland 89.7 FM, truly local radio. Until next week, folks.